there's a guy here just in the nick of time. What does that make us? Big damn heroes, sir. Ain't we just? Well, I don't trust Red Wing. You Hold on a minute. You don't have to trust Red Wing. But I'm going to go see if he's right. Because I have a feeling they might be a part of the big three. What big three? The big three. What big three? Androids, aliens, and wizards. That's not a thing. That, that's definitely a thing. No, it's not. So every time we fight, we fight one of the three. So who are you fighting now, Gandalf? How do you know about Gandalf? I read The Hobbit in 1937 when it first came out. So you see my point? No, I don't. There are no wizards. Dr. Strange. Is a sorcerer. <laughs> a sorcerer is a wizard without a hat. Think about it, right? I'm right. I, I, just, I just came up with that. It's crazy. But look, that's not the point. These guys aren't magical, all right? They use brute force, just like you. The incredibly annoying guy in front of me with the staring problem. I'm coming with you. No, you're not. That was you in the blue and the yellow. Why don't you meet the team after school? May we count on you in the future? Yeah, I think so. And bored of this. Hello and welcome to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM, the film and TV radio show where a handful of film enthusiasts shoot the breeze about all things film and television. I'm Marcus E. Acco, and I am just, I, I'm, I'm Marvel through and through. I am in love with Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Hi, I'm producer Dave. I've only seen one episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, so I'm not going to turn around and say I'm in love with it yet, but I, okay. you know, I enjoyed the first epi- the episode I watched, so yeah. See, here, here's, look, I'm, I know you think I'm joking about this, but if Marvel were to come out and say, hey guys, we've invented this new um, streaming chip that all you have to do is just implant it into your brain and our new shows will stream it directly to your brain before anybody else gets it on Disney+. Plus. Would you like to sign up? I who is being the most skeptic person, the skeptical person that you ever meet, will be the first in line to get a chip put into my brain so I can get all of their output. I, I, um, I love what Marvel are doing. They are, it's, it's kind of, even their, even their, um, their weakest performing product is better than your average movie because they are just they are nailing it uh, yes the marvel cinematic universe had a little bit of a tiny tiny little bit of slump in my opinion halfway through where iron man 2 was it was good it was, it, i still liked it and again talking about the weakest of the products right it's like when you boast iron man 2 and thor 2 being the weakest of your films it is oh, come on the, the, the pedigree, and then they they just go, took a they had a lift off as soon as James Gunn came onto the into the, onto the scene with Guardians of the Galaxy, and obviously um, I think it was the Russo brothers that did uh, Winter Soldier, and it just they took off from that point and never hit the ground. They just kept on. They were just soaring through the skies with every single thing they've been doing. So they finished the well, not finished, but they parked the cinematic universe uh, with Avengers Endgame and then did Far From Home, right? So that kind of closed off 
that um, I can't remember what they were called. How did they call it? Where they had phase three, uh, phase three. Yes, they they closed off phase three with um, far from home, and then they said they were going to start phase four with Black Widow. But um, you know, I haven't seen Black Widow yet, but because of COVID, etc., they shunted it back, and then they stepped in with with Disney Plus, and the first thing they did, TV series. Yeah, we talk about Agents of Shield and. Uh, and the Netflix TV shows, sure, yeah, those ones were, you know, were in the past. Those were those are good. I liked it, really like Agents of Shield, really like Daredevil, really love Punisher. Um, but those were a different breed, right? Because they haven't really accepted those into the fold. I'm talking the proper Disney Plus TV series, right? Starting with One Division. Now, let, let let's let's go to you, producer Dave. First of all, before I start ranting. Um, what were your? Th- have you seen One Division? What were your thoughts? If you have, no, I haven't seen One Division. I started to watch One Division, and I just got confused. I thought this is weird, and it was like watching Bewitched. Okay, you know I mean? so I, I see. What and I just mean. just didn't get into it. Well, I I, I, I stopped at that point, and I didn't give it. I didn't go back to it. If you see what I mean, I I could I, go. Yeah. I haven't. So here's, here's what I'm going to do, because it's been all over the internet. So people, if nobody, if you haven't, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell the so overarching story, you know, not the story arc per se. I'm not going to tell what happens towards the end and so on and so forth, but the structure, the framework of WandaVision, because I understand where you're coming from. Um, but the problem, the, the difference between the two of us is I went in and I believed that Marvel were going to give me something good. And they, in my opinion, delivered. And I will fight anybody that tries to argue with me. I never so, said it, it didn't deliver. And it was it's just not, it's, too much of a that's, that, that's, that's, re- that's not really at you. That, 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 that dig was not at you. Okay. You, you, people listen, <laughs> right. you know okay. who you are. <laughs> you, you know who you are trying to tell me that WandaVision was, was terrible in, in your faces when it came out. Anyway, so the, the framework, the bit that you said, it reminded you of Bewitched. That was on purpose because the first three episodes were structured to be sitcom-esque, right? So it started and they gave no lead into it whatsoever. You, if, if you walked in, if you just happened to walk in and see it on TV, it was like you were watching, first of all, you were watching a sitcom from the 50s, right? So like the Dick Van Dyke show, as an example. If you sat and watched the whole thing, there were bits at the very end where things just didn't seem right. And it's like, it was like, it was something was off. And everyone's like, what, what, what's going on? Why? Obviously, those people who know the characters, you know, WandaVision, you know, Scarlet Witch, sorry, you know, Wanda, you know, Scarlet Witch, you know, Vision, you know that they're Avengers, you know that there's an outside world, something's going on, but they're stuck in this thing. The next episode, the sitcom f- uh, framework evolved. It wasn't the 50s type sitcom anymore. It was the 60s type sitcom sitcom you know, like the bewitched type style, right? So it's like, even with, the, they even do with the animated intro where there was bewitched. It was the bewitched homage to bewitched. The third episode, they moved into 70s territory where it was kind of like um, a full house, right? So the full house type sitcom. And it was, it was because it's same as with the films, there was, there were, um, you know, like end credit sequences or things that happened at the very end 
that sort of gave you a little bit of teaser. Um, so at the end, I think it was the end of the first one that you saw a, you, the camera sort of pulls back and you see it's like somebody's watching a screen and it's a hand <coughs> and a lever and you're thinking, okay, so this is a TV show. It is, it's a TV show. They even had adverts in it as well with you know links to or um, Easter eggs about you know Hydra and Shield and so on and so forth. It's at the end of the third episode that you then see the outside world. And then the fourth episode was literally a case of, okay, we hear all of you skeptics have been complaining that you didn't like the new vision that Marvel was putting out with sitcoms and so on and so forth. Here is what's going on. And that fourth episode was a full explanation going back to the beginning of the first episode, but showing it from a different perspective. And every skeptic that I had arguments with, they kept on saying, oh, I've watched three episodes and it sucks. I don't like what I don't want to watch. I was like, just be patient. Trust me, just be patient. And at the end of the fourth episode, I went to every single one of them. I was like, what do you have to say now? And all of them, not even one of them turned around and said, Okay, fair enough. I, I'm in. I, I'm in. I, I'm, I'm in completely. And that's and they pulled it in. They brought characters from the cinematic universe, from different movies from the cinematic universe. They pulled them in, and you. I'm talking side characters, so nobody, you know, hold your horses. Don't expect to see Tony Stark or Captain America wandering through it. No, it, there were there were side characters, but they were good side characters that they pulled them in into the story and every single one of them rocked their roles they, they were fantastic it builds up to the to a, it, there's a twist that apparently fans had spoiled from the very beginning because of a character that pops up and every fan was that's her that's her that's her and people were like Marvel even tried doing like through through little red herrings in different places, and then eventually it just came to one point where it was like, "All right, fine, it's her." <laughs> it's like they threw that out there, but that doesn't spoil it because unless you're a you know hard, even if you're a hardcore Marvel fan and you're expecting that reveal, it happens and it's there. But there was another major twist in there that a lot of fans were trying to predict, and it didn't happen. And then it finishes, and something else happens that lead to more, and it is just incredible i watched it i and there there are there's a video out there with what's his name kevin smith the film director kevin smith watching uh, at the end of of wandavision and he's in tears he's in floods of tears and he goes on twitter and people are mocking him for the fact that he's crying like a kid watching and it's and i will be honest i watched the last episode twice i watched it by myself because we, we would have the routine myself and little little marcus aka jacob we it was our routine every saturday morning we'd watch an episode um but for the last episode i couldn't wait for the saturday morning to watch it so i watched it the friday night and he punched me in the gut and i was like okay i'll be ready for it and then we watched it as a family all of us watched it on the saturday morning and it, that same i was still i was expecting it to come and it still punched me even harder in the gut and it got misty in the room because marvel know how to craft a story wandavision is fantastic it's phenomenal tv now they finished wandavision they gave us a couple of weeks break and they said right we're not stopping there cuz we got something else for you and they threw Falcon and the Winter Soldier into our laps. And we're now in episode two of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And boy, oh boy, it is cracking. 
honestly, Marvel are not paying me. Disney are not paying me for anything. They could literally not pay me any money. They could literally just say, we'll give you free access to watch this stuff. And I will say, yes, please. I don't care. Even your worst things, I'll watch it for free. It's fine. Because Falcon and Winter Soldier is amazing. If, if, if you're not too familiar with who Falcon and Winter Soldier are, Falcon, played by Anthony Mackie, um, he's Sam, Sam, not Sam Winston, Sam Winston, someone else, Sam Wilson, I think it's Sam Wilson. He's the the black friend of Captain America, the one who flies, where he's got wings. Where he doesn't have wings, but he has mechanical wings that he flies with. And then Winter Soldier is Bucky Barnes, played by Sebastian Stan, who is also Captain America's friend, but from way back when, you know, so when they were back in the 30s together. And he gets captured by Hydra, brainwashed, and turned into the Winter Soldier, who's kind of like injected with super, you know, super serum, just like Captain America. So he's just as strong as Captain America is. And he has a bionic arm, uh, which if you follow this, this, this series, um, he, after Win- uh, not, not Winter Soldier, C- Civil War, Captain America Civil War, um, after he, it's discovered that he still has conditioning, so brainwashing, brainwashing conditioning, he gets taken to Wakanda so that they can sort of switch that off and, and fix him. So while he's in Wakanda, he gets treated. He's, he's no longer brainwashed. He's no longer, you know, primed to react that way. And he's now been replaced. His arm has now been replaced with a vibranium arm made from Wakanda. So, so anyway, fast forward past end game. He's now back uh, in America and he's basically trying to um, atone and try, he's trying to atone and he's attending therapy effectively because he did a lot of bad things and he remembers all of these bad things that he's done. He doesn't have that switch anymore that's, that's turned off. He remembers every single bad thing that he's done and as such, he's trying to atone for it. So you see his story. Then you also see um, Sam Wilson's story, Falcon's story, who at the end of Endgame, it's, it's not spoilers. You, if you haven't watched it, you, have, you go back and go watch it. Um, Captain America gives him the shield and says, you know, you can be the next, you'll be the next Captain America. It's for you. But Sam Wilson, Sam Wilson, we'll call him Falcon. Falcon, he, he, the, the metaphorical weight of the shield is too much for him. And he's like, no, this is not for me. This is for Captain America. It's not. So he donates it to the military and it's they so- put it in a, as it said, thank you, Smithsonian. Um, they, they denotes it, don't, he donates it to the Smithsonian and that's where it hangs. And he, he's still doing Falcon missions for the military, in different, different missions and whatnot. And at the end of that first episode is when there's a big reveal where the military say, because of terrorists that are going around in the world, we need, our, we, we need to defend America. We need our own Captain America. And here's a new Captain America. And you see some other dude step up and he's got the shield that Falcon had handed over. And you see his face and you cut to see Winter Soldier's face. And it's like, they're both of them are like, he ain't my Captain America. And it's like, and then that moves into st- to episode two where the both of them come in together. And it, I'm just, I'm not going to say what happens in, in, in episode two because that would now be going into spoiler yeah, spoiler. Yeah, please don't. Because yeah. I haven't watched that yet. One thing so you've seen the first about, one, right? I've so seen the first one. And one of the things yeah. I really like um, about the first one is the a, a couple of the other characters that come in there. Uh, Falcon's sister. Yes. And, um, the Winter Soldier's... Oh, therapist. 
Oh, but no, the best friend, the, the, the friend it will in quotes, the friend, the, friend, the person he's yeah, around. Yeah. And, but the thing is, <clears throat> it tells a little bit of backstory and side story and present mm-hmm. story as well. And it addresses some of the things that are going on in America at, as we speak as well, um, to do with Black Lives Matter and stuff like that. So for me, that was quite rounded and quite telling as well. They've not only brought it up to up to date, <clears throat> um, up to date in the sense of uh, five years after the snap. So you see yep. what's going on with the world there with all these billions of people coming back mm-hmm. and how the world is in turmoil, but also addresses, like one person said, one reviewer said, um, how superheroes live how do they earn their crust how they earn money yes it's it, it, that i thought was really really good so that's drawn me back to uh falcon and the winter soldier more than anything else because it's more contemporary it's not i understand tactical i understand exactly what you mean because but that's the thing if you look at the both if you look at both tv shows right um they are structured for their characters vision is he's a he's a magic character right he's he, he was a robot that was given sentience because he had the infinity stone in his head right that's his that's his character then you have scarlet witch who from the infinity stone the mind stone was given magical powers right so this it, it's magical that's that's how yeah that's what happened because in it, it's at the end of at the end of is it Civil War? I think it's at the end of Civil War. No, no, not Civil War. At the end of um, uh, Winter Soldier or Ultron. I think it was the age, end of Age of Ultron. No, yeah, no, yeah. no, it age wasn't. Of Ultron. No, no, it wasn't at the end of Age of because they are in Age of Ultron. Yeah, so but she didn't. Have, she had powers then before yes. the sun came about. So yes, no, 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 it wasn't. <clears throat> it wasn't. That's not the case because okay, so um, she got her powers because Hydra had the they'd stolen Loki's uh, scepter, right? Because obviously Loki's scepter was acquired by S.H.I.E.L.D., but we know S.H.I.E.L.D. was infiltrated by Hydra. So uh, so, um, Loki's scepter has the Mind Stone in it. That's stuff because obviously the Avengers thought they were giving it to the, you know, to S.H.I.E.L.D., but then it made its way to um, not Latveria, um, uh, I can't, uh, not, it's, it's, I think it's Latveria, actually. It's Latveria. It's Latveria. It made its way there with Baron. I can't remember what, which, which of the Barons was using it, but you see it at the end of one of the episodes, one of the, one of the films. And I can't remember which film it is, but, um, they've been doing tests. They have been doing tests with the Mind Stone, with Loki Scepter. And the only two subjects that survived all of the testing were Wanda and, um, uh, oh, what's his name? Uh, the, the brother, the speedster. Um, him, the, the two of Quicksilver. them, Quicksilver. So yeah, mm-hmm. so Quicksilver and one and and Wanda, they they were the only two that had survived all of the testing. They even touch upon it <clears throat> in um, in Wanda Vision because there's a bit where you actually see her get her power. So you 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 they actually they go back and they tell that backstory of how she gets her power. So that's the whole point, right? It's well, all about. Magic. That, that, that's from the um, that's from the film point of view. From what I remember um, from the comics, sure. Her, oh. and, 
and no, obviously. her brother Quicksilver are actually mutants. And I think, no, if of anything, course, oh, if of anything, course, those that thing would have just augmented her powers. But mm. of course, no, no, no. You, you're right, and because obviously, I'm I'm strictly talking Marvel Cinematic Universe. I'm not talking um, the Marvel comics because they 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 die, they deviate from the comic universe because they didn't have the property for. X-Men and Fantastic Four and so on and so forth. Now they do. And that was one of the whole things where everyone was saying, ooh, WandaVision is what's going to bring about the inclusion of the X-Men and Fantastic Four. Spoilers, it doesn't. So it's saying it didn't. But either way, that's why it, you know, that fantastical element lends itself to WandaVision. Uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier has nothing to do with magic. It is more to do with espionage and and contemporary politics, right? Yep. Because, because that's what it's, it's embedded in. And that's why that's what it is. It's funny because you've seen the first episode. You haven't seen the second episode, correct? No, I haven't seen the second episode, no. It's funny you talk about how it explores the situation in America, like with Black Lives Matter and everything else. You wait till you see the second episode. Mm. There are, it is, oh my, there's one scene in particular, and I'm not going to spoil it, but there's one scene in particular towards the end the third quarter of the of the of the episode where it is it, it is this one scene in particular how it turns on its head it's literally it turns on a dime and it's basically it 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 is the reflection of everything that america currently seems to exhibit at it as its social political you know, social political um environment but I, i'm not going to spoil it you watch it as soon as you watch it you talk to me about it you're listening to shoot the breeze on resonance 104.4 fm i'm marcus e Ako. i'm producer dave and we've just been ranting nonstop about WandaVision and Falcon and the Winter Soldier. We have uh, another, we have other guests that we need to introduce on the show today. And it's going to be, we're going to do our film and TV news and spotlight merged into one where we're going to be bringing back a um, friend of the show, Jenna Suru. And she's bringing her friend <laughs> for, she's bringing her, her friend to, to, you know, to come and talk to us. And her friend is uh, Stacy Duvorzon, who's an actress in both the um, Large Door, The Golden Age, and in the Oscar-nominated film, The Man Who Sold His Skin. So they're going to be talking to us about that and about their numerous projects. So let's go to film and TV news. <laughs> You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako. I'm David Campbell. I got you forgot it. This is it's it's a it's a it's a it's a, it's a regular thing. The producer yeah, it's a David thing, forgets yeah. his name. Yeah. I, I keep getting yeah. <laughs> this is a good we are, we are we are joined by by friend of the show. She's literally part of the show herself, and she's brought a friend along as well. Please introduce yourselves. Please, friend of the show, introduce yourself and introduce your friend for us. Thank you so much. I'm Gina Suru. I'm so glad to be back on this amazing show. And today, for the first time, we have a very special guest with us. Her name is Tessie de Vorzon. She's an amazing actor and she stars in The Golden Age and more great news coming up very, very soon this month. Bonjour, Stacey. Bonjour, Jana, and thank you everyone for having me. 
This is a real pleasure and first time with you all. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, the pleasure is all ours, Stacey. Jenna has nonstop raved about you. Um, and we've, we, we first saw you in her film, Large Door, The Golden Age. Uh, and ever since then, she's always mentioned how much she wants to have you on our show, uh, on as many shows as possible, introducing you. She's effectively your publicist, going around talking about <laughs> you and, and your project. She's extremely talented on all levels. So hey, I, I'm very happy. Whatever Jenna wants, I, I agree. <laughs> that's that's the reason why we can we consider her as part of the show because she does a lot of the legwork for us. She gets this entire the first part of this year. She stacked our show with loads of filmmakers from her uh, international Paris International Film Festival. All came in and gave us wonderful interviews. We got to meet tons of filmmakers because of that lady that is, that is sitting on my Zoom panel to the to the left of you. So uh, we were just discussing how we can't wait for Zoom, we can't wait for lockdown to, to to be over, so we can all be in the studio together. Uh, Stacy, let's since we're introducing introducing you to our audience, tell us wh where what what films can we see you in. And so we'll get to know you better. Well, most of the films or TV work that I've done is in France. That's basically where I work, even though I'm American, originally from Beverly Hills. Uh, my family is in the business. And at that time period, I decided that that is not what I wanted to do. And I went abroad during my university studies to Aix-en-Provence. Of course, fell in love with a Frenchman and then not to mention out of love afterwards after many, many years. But anyway, <laughs> and, and, and then finally, I guess it's the family, family, not tradition, but kind of bug that we're all involved somehow in the film or TV industry, especially when you come from LA. So, um, so it was just a normal career choice is to move into that direction. So, but I decided really to stay in France. So you could see me on a couple of TV shows in France, movies, well, of course, Jenna's, which is probably my most favorite. I love playing the role. Oh, of course, you played the Hollywood, you played the Hollywood producer in, uh, in, in the golden age. Tell us, is, did you, what did you channel to portray the character of the Hollywood producer? Since your, your family's obviously in the business, did you sort of look at any particular inspirations that you've met in person to be able to channel them for your performance? Well, I think uh, Meryl Streep was somebody who came to mind. Um, she's a very strong character. And I wanted to play a hardball Hollywood producer. And I hope that came across like that. I'm usually not that mean. <laughs> but I'm, not mean but I'm, not, I'm not usually rude, <laughs> for instance, to, uh, to my assistants, if, you know, or secretaries, etc. cetera. And, uh, but being the business woman or film producer that I was, I had to get the job done. So. That's what it took. That's what it took. Now, Jenna, I want to throw to you. How did you? Uh, how did your circle come into collision with Stacy's circle? Stacy is just wonderful, and I really want to highlight on how humble she is, because not only is she an incredible actress, but also she has all these stories from America and France and this deep love for France. But also, as you guys know, the Golden Age is um, our tribute 
to 16th Saint-Tropez and also to artists and all those who want to bring change. And this is also why Stacy is just wonderful and perfect in that role because she she's not really mean as the character and obviously we won't spoil it because we've all seen the film but for those who are listening and haven't seen it she represents the society the industry like the industry the film industry that always keeps going and that you have to cope with or change and Exactly, she's such a beautiful person. And I know, I knew from the beginning, I remember very well the first time I spoke with Stacy, and then obviously along the time you just the role and she is such a humble artist. And I knew from the very beginning how much she understands the story. I even think she didn't read the script until a long time, which is a very beautiful proof from her of trust because we connected so, so at such an early stage, and I think we discussed this, we, right, Stacey, but it's like, this film has been such a dream from beginning to end, because I can tell you, everyone in the cast and crew has given so much love. And, and, and we were really feeling we were doing something special together, also because, let's face it, filming in Saint-Tropez and Paris was so incredible, and I cannot be thrilled to have her with us. From my personal experience, it was perfection. The crew was incredible. Jenna was amazing. It's so important to have such a great ambiance on the set and, and to do your best work that you can and give, give your, the best of yourself as well. But everyone had this, it was just this immense feeling of love and creativity. And from behind the camera in front of the camera, every step of the way. So it, it was you know obvious that it was gonna be something fantastic because now, you know, I've seen obviously the movie. It is just amazing. It is shot so beautifully. Every aspect of this film is just wonderful. It, uh, that's exactly the same thing I said to Jenna the moment I, I finished watching it. It just, it reminded me so much of all the French films that I, I loved watching growing up. So it's like, it, it's it, funnily enough, it's a double-edged sword. There's this, a friend of mine told me a story of Japanese tourists going to Paris and experiencing extreme uh, depression because it's, it's not the Paris that they saw in films. And I feel that's what Jenna Suru has done with Golden Age. She's contributed to that sort of, uh, that understand that idea of Paris being beautiful and magical and colorful. I can effectively imagine going to Paris and bumping into beautiful women on the street and thinking that's exactly what Paris is going to be like and experiencing it completely different. So Jenna, I'm gonna blame you for that. <laughs> you're, you're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance World 4.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Akko. And I'm producer Dave. And we are here with filmmaker, uh, film festival uh, director, and friend of the show, Jenna Suru. And she's brought a terrific friend along, actress Stacy de Vorzon. Have I pronounced that correctly? I tend to butcher last names. Excellent. Uh, Stacy, I want to throw to you. Um, not only have you uh, been in uh, The Golden Age, which is an award-laden film, you have also, uh, also in, you're appearing in another award, Oscar-nominated um, film, The Man Who Sold His Skin as um, Frau Waltz. Can you tell us a little bit about... Can you, can you, can <laughs> or Madame you, Waltz. <laughs> Madame Waltz, yes. Can you mind telling us a little bit about, your, your, about first the film and your character uh, in the film? The film 
I read the whole script, um, which was incredible. So I can't give too much away. But from when you from the from the trailer of the movie, you have an idea a little bit, I assume, about what the film is about. I think you do. Sorry, I put myself on mute. Yes, I do. <laughs> yes, yes, I do. So, so I'm not sure how much I can say about the film because I obviously don't want to give it away the story. But important in this film because it deals with art and also about mankind and kind of mixing the two worlds together and where is your limit when it comes between art and a human being. I, and it was it was it was funny as you mentioned about art and trying not to give too much away about the uh, about the film. It reminded me a lot of one of the films that's in uh, that was in contention in, at uh, the Paris International Film Festival. I'm not saying which film it is, but if people wa- if people know if people watch the uh, the films in, in in the festival and they've read the plot of the man who sold his skin, you know which one I'm talking about. Uh, but yeah, so what what drew you, without giving any spoilers for your character and the story, what drew you specifically to that role? Uh, well, first I I got a call and it was amazing. Is I call it the miracle day because I never forgot that day. At the same time that um, I have another passion besides acting is cuisine. So I happened to be on Objective Top Chef, which is, uh, like the, the the Top Chef competition, because that's uh, with the famous chef Philippe Eschdebest. So I was in Bordeaux filming that show, and I presented my plate that day. So I was living another one of my dreams. It's on my bucket list. <laughs> I, have a, I have a huge bucket list in my life, so this is one of them. <laughs> but uh, he gave me five stars for my dish, and that was incredible. And then afterwards, I saw him after the filming and I said, well, I'll probably see you later on tonight. And he's like, really? How so? <laughs> I said, well, because I've reserved in your restaurant. And I said, but I really would have loved to have dined in your Michelin restaurant. And he said, really? And he said, so I picked up the phone and he called his restaurant. And it's usually a six month to one year wait to get in. It was my first time in Bordeaux. And he called his restaurant and said, uh, please add to the table Stacy plus one. So that was just amazing. I thought this day could not get any better. And so I'm waiting um, between the breaks. And then of course there was um, a beautiful, uh, one of the best French domains in Bordeaux. And you know, the wine tasting cellar was right there. So I was with a friend and I said, let's go wine tasting. I'm on the break, let's go wine tasting. So <laughs> probably shouldn't have, but, but I mean, how can you refuse that, right? And then while I'm doing this, I get a call from the casting director, Stacy. there's a film that I really would like you to audition for. And actually the director was thinking about you for another role and she changed her mind and she wants you to play this. And I said, wow, you are the cherry on the cake today. I don't think this day could get any better. And that, that was my miracle day. So I read the script, I loved the role. I loved every minute from the beginning to end and I cannot wait to see it. It is, without giving out too much away, the most interesting story, one of the most I've read, because it touches a delicate situation. And the role that I play is a little controversial between my husband and I. So I can't say much more, but... <laughs> That's not a problem. On, the, on this show, we tend to have a habit of accidentally uh, um, spoiling films by, by giving away 
tidbits that actually are supposed to movies. And I, I'll, I'll put it it's squarely on my shoulders. It's my fault that I tend to do that. I ask a lot of questions that I shouldn't be asking. And then people say, well, I'm not supposed to say that. And then they say it. And then the people <laughs> accuse me of ruining the film for them. So I didn't okay. share anything that would, would, I didn't share too much. I just, you did. You, you I didn't. just gave a little, I, I gave an appetizer. I gave Absol- you an appetizer. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. You you poked you poked just a tiny little bit, and there is a lot of curiosity right there that I'm going to ask, but I'm going to restrain it. I'm going to move into the the meta uh, part of that particular film because it's been nominated for an Oscar. Uh, what are your plans for for Oscar night? Uh, are you going to be sitting at home with your with your friends and family? Are you going to? Well, you, I don't know if you can go I to the will, Oscar. Point, no but. question. What I want to do yet? Um, I will not be in LA because um, I'm in France. But um, actually I have um, a quick little thing to say about not Oscar night, but the way I learned about that it was nominated is where it was shot was in a beautiful villa called Villa Rocabella in the south of France, right above the sea. An amazing, amazing villa. Of course, the last time I shot there was playing the role of Mrs. Waltz in the film and that I basically owned the villa, which in real life I probably would love as well, but it's not the case. Anyway. I happened to be last week, a week and a half ago, I returned for another film shoot in the same place and in the same reception hall where it took place. And I was playing a different role for a different scene. And I just was kind of reminiscing about my time a year and a half before, loving this role and this incredible film. And then I get a call during the break from a friend of mine who said, you're not gonna believe it. The film has been nominated. And I said, you're not gonna believe this. I'm in the same villa. <laughs> so where the film was shot a year and a half ago of all places to be. I mean, that, that, was, that was magical. That was magical, it was destiny. Absolutely. I should, I should go back it's, to that more often. It's, it's I was I, I was gonna say yes. You should just constantly go back there whenever you have any kind of issues. Just where you're you're feeling you're feeling depressed. You're feeling tired. You're feeling just you know lack lack of motivation. Just step there and just wait for a phone call and something something excellent will happen. So that'll just, be that was just, just unbelievable. Of all times, just happened to be between a year and a half in the same location. Exactly, it was filmed in the same reception hall. It was just unbelievable. So for the Oscars, very good question. I'm well with COVID. This is a very good question. How many people will we be? And I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe I might be in Nice. Maybe I'm not quite sure. Organize a little get together. So, and of course, I'll be doing the cuisine. Well, yes, exactly. So, because as a as a Master Chef contestant, Master Chef uh, yourself, um, you, you obviously everyone's going to be expecting that, right? So, you host the Oscar party, and you're going to serve some some nice delicacies for people to 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 eat. And fingers crossed, um, the man who sold his skin will do very well at the Oscars this year. Uh, Jenna, every time we speak to you, there's always something that you're doing. You're always doing something. It's either running the film festival or you're shooting, working on your next project. What is it that you're currently doing at this point? Thank you so much, Marcus, for mentioning the Paris International Film Festival. And I really want to mention on this film and for this edition, this edition this year with the Academy Awards is really, so unique because it's the first year it won't happen physically or at least most of the guests won't be invited i have some friends who have been invited for 40 years and for the very first time 
uh, we can't go in person. Um, it, this film, um, first, we're so excited for Kanta Banania and her team, including Stacy, because I think um, this is probably one of the best five synopsises I've ever heard in my entire filmmaker's young life. I think it's just such, I, I'm so it's such a powerful story. And also we are really excited to see more diversity at the Academy this year. And it's so exciting to see this change and, and see how much it reflects on the industry afterwards. And when Stacy told me this story about the villa and I was not, I mean, I was so excited for her and so moved because she really deserves it. And so many actors work so hard and don't necessarily get recognition. And this type of recognition is really important in an actor's life. And it also really reflects on on our, on our story because Stacy has been wonderful supporting the golden age and she's been a wonderful friend and she really deserves it. And I'm really excited for her and, and the coming projects in the future. It's not, it's, it's, there's more coming up as this month um, after drawing on the incredible Academy Award qualifying CineQuest for the 30th anniversary. And I really, really thank Michael Rabble for having me serve as a very humble juror for the 30th anniversary for the documentary competition because all the documentaries were absolutely incredible. Um, I'll be serving on the Columbus International Film Festival, which not only is the oldest film festival in the USA, but also they are the, it was the very first honor for the Golden Age. They honored the rough cut of the film and they're very kindly inviting me this year to serve on their jury for this edition both for the narrative and documentary feature competition. So it's, it's going to be a very exciting month, right, Stacey? For the I, I, I'm quite amazed with, with everything that's going on. It's really interesting to see the turn considering what's happening in the world today, but how active and how actually the world is changing because they're obliged to. So the, the Oscars are going to be, it's opening up the door to other films and other creators, I mean, I don't think that, like for instance, if it was last year, would the same films be nominated? I'm curious. Or has something changed because of the moment what's happening today? Because I feel that um, the movie theaters are not open, the people are not able to go, or if they, they're opening slowly but surely, but I'm not sure that there'll be masses of people going to the movie theater. So basically everyone is seeing everything from home it doesn't have the same ambiance of the theater feeling as well. As for the Academy Awards, this is the first time in history that they will be shown it this way. So I think um, it's very memorable and, um, and it gives a chance to, 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 to other actors, actresses, directors, everyone in the film industry to see something maybe different this year. That's true. That's absolutely true. Platforms such as Netflix are praising the, the, the rain gods that they sacrificed their goats to because COVID has basically made everything fantastic for them. Because if not for COVID, as you said, it, you didn't have mo uh, multiple movies from Netflix. Um, Jenna and Stacy, thank you very much for taking some time to come and chat with us. Uh, about your, we go. your projects. Oh, yes, David, yeah. go for it. I, I just want to have a quick question um, because um, something you said a little bit before just got my brain working. So um, the pandemic has been a really, really bad thing for for people. I mean, for the world, it's it's just caused a lot of heartache and blood and, and 
bloodshed and tears and what have you. However, as independent filmmakers, do you feel that the pandemic has put, let's say a shot in the arm of the independent filmmakers considering um, what's been going on? It's definitely a double-edged sword. What's extremely exciting with what's happening is from a filmmaker's point of view is the accessibility. And as you guys all know, at the Paris International Film Festival, we really promote accessibility, we push diversity, and also just voices, new voices that are not represented correctly and that we're really excited to hear more. Because of this new accessibility that becomes with part of the festivals becoming virtual or also more focused being on eco-friendly filmmaking, because this is also something that needs to be incorporated in the future way of making films and TV. We, we, are, we have more access to education, to distribution. We have more, a little more power in the hands of the filmmakers. However, on the other side, filming now is becoming a lot more limited and pricey because we have to take a lot of precautions. But on that point, I really want to mention that at least for me, I can't speak for Stacy. she will answer herself. For me as a filmmaker, it's important that we just realize there are some ways, there are some changes we need in the world. Maybe it's not coincidence that we see more diversity this year um, because for the golden age, what really motivated us on top of obviously paying tribute to Saint-Tropez and the Saint-Tropez Bay area because they've been the most incredible supportive organization and also sharing Stacey's news, Stacey's news with the film nomination and the Academy. But just realizing that the, we need to change and that this change is urgent, be it looking after our planet. And also for the golden age, I hired a safety company you know, I think it's a little unfortunate we need a pandemic to realize the health of those we care about, not only our family, also those around us, our neighbors, our cast, our crew, our partners is so important, or their well-being, their mental health. And now um, I was just speaking on this amazing conference weekend at the Bali Film Festival in LA about mental health, and now this is being a real part of the conversation. I'm really glad this is being part of the conversation because it's essential. And it's also the message of the golden age. And I think it's up to us now to just also see what we can do to be the change. And this is why thank you so much guys for giving us a voice because filmmakers need the support and need this voice so that they can actually, actually make this change happen. It's really, really important. I think the golden age came out exactly at the right moment in time. I think the man who sold his skin as well. I think it was meant to be because with the pandemic, the, the world had to change. They were forced to change and go back to what is essential. A simpler life, maybe. Um, not, not for everyone, but I do think it, it, it brought everyone back to, it kind of shook them up and said, wait a minute, wake up. What is with our planet, how are we treating our neighbors and people or mankind in general? Um, I mean, basically, I mean, look, the animals kind of took over for a little while while everyone was in quarantine. Um, it kind of just woke up the world in a better way. I don't think that, I mean, it's a very sad moment as well because it's taken a lot of lives, but it's also opened up the eyes of everybody 
So when it comes to not just filmmakers or people in the business, but just people in general, how to be kind to others, how to respect others, how to appreciate one another, and also the world that you're in, Earth. So I think that it's, it's just, it's meant to be where the golden age is such a beautiful film and it brings back, not brings back, well, yes, the sixties, but also the world of change, which is what the world needs today. The man who sold his skin is also a very different story, but also about humanity as well. So they're both very important films that I think that were meant to be seen in this time period today. That's what I think personally. And I, I, I agree hundred percent. And I think, um, and Jenna, like I, and I know you said thank you to us for uh, helping lift filmmakers, independent filmmakers, but you're doing just as much. You're doing far more than we are. You're providing a, an avenue for them to be able to bring their projects with the Paris International Film Festival. I think that work, as well as all the networking that you do with other filmmakers, especially female filmmakers, just trying to get them their projects up and running is, is fascinating and fantastic. Um, I'm proud to be working with you on Pull Out Couch, just a little plug that's there for my own project that I'm doing. But uh, yes, I just I just throw it out. Yes, we happen to <laughs> happen to win, happen to win um, uh, best best screenplay. So, yes, I'll, I'll take that. That's good. Thank you very much for that. Um, Jenna and Stacey, thank you very much for taking some time to talk to us today. Uh, we definitely will invite you to come back with chat to us more and more. And we'll be watching Oscars, hoping that um, that the man who sold his skin does very, very well. Yes, yes, yes. Good Thank luck you for so the Oscars. Much for inviting me. It was such a pleasure to have this chat. And really, thank you so much. It was, I look forward to anytime you want me to come back, open door. Fantastic. Take care. Thank, thank you. you. Bye. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako. I'm producer Dave. And that was Jenna Suru and Stacey Devor- Devorzon. I keep, I, it's difficult to pronounce their name. Stacey Devorzon. Um, amazing guests talking to us about their projects. Um, always fun to have Jenna back on the show. I can't wait for us to get back into the studio so we can all sit down and chat and laugh and take pictures and talk about projects and so on and so forth. Uh, but yeah, anyway. Anyway, um, just before, just before we wrap up today, we, we were talking earlier on about, um, um, what is it? We're talking about WandaVision and uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. There is another show as I, 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 I want to I quickly plug just before we close. And it's, it's on Amazon Prime. It's called Invincible. It's an animated superhero show. Uh, David, have you, have you heard about it? No, not at all. Okay. So I'd heard smatterings about it didn't know any much about it i heard people on youtube saying oh invincible it's being adapted i think it was probably a comic book before or something like that i have no idea about it whatsoever i saw it pop up on amazon prime i was like well i've heard some people talk about it i might as well check it out and i started watching it and the first two episodes alone here is the voice cast um oh the voice cast from the top of my head almost like six different people from uh, from The Walking Dead. We're talking um, uh, Stephen Yuen, who's who played, uh, not Carl, but the, the, the guy that gets killed, um, Maggie's uh, husband. Uh, he's in it. Um, J.K. JK Simmons is in it. Sandra Oh is in it. Mark Hamill. Uh, Mahershala Ali. Um, who else? Oh, uh, the... 
as oh man names popping into my head zachary quinto um uh, Z- uh zazie beats a whole bunch of, these this was just the first two episodes right? mark Wahlberg. all of those mark Wahlberg. is mark Wahlberg in it apparently i wouldn't be surprised I wouldn't be surprised if Mark Wahlberg is in it. It's it's one one of the creators is the creator of Walking Dead, so that explains why Ross Marquand from uh, Walking Dead um, he does tons of voices on it. Um, and and um, the oh I keep forgetting his name. He's a British actor. I should have done a little bit more research. I should have written down the names of all the people. <laughs> but there are tons. There are tons of of famous voices just in it just popping up for one episode doing one character a couple of lines and then going away and i'm only on episode three and i've already just listed all of those people whose voices are in there walton goggins is on it it's like oh, man how who's not in this so you say mark warburg i'm not gonna be surprised he's gonna pop up i'm not gonna surprise i'm not surprised if sylvester stallone pops up at some point it is just there are tons of and now that's just the name cast right so you're thinking, well, okay, fair enough, name cast. But still, the story is very, very good. Again, John Hamm, oh, of course, forgot John Hamm um, from Mad Men. He's in it. Um, the, the reason I bring it up is because, it, yes, it's an animated TV show. So a lot of people are like, it's animated. I don't want to watch it. It's superhero TV show. I don't, we still got Avengers. You've just been talking about Winter Soldier and Falcon and whatnot. Sure. However, it is very dark. It, it, it's like, it is, it's adult it's it's an adult rated superhero tv show it goes dark it goes really dark the first episode in the first episode you see this group of superheroes it's literally the justice league right so you can literally pick out different people you see a a flat a version of the flash you see a version of of batman uh, you see a version of Superman, you see a version of Aquaman and so on and so forth, right? So they're all the Martian Manhunter. Um, and it, you, you, you establish that that's, this is the world we're in. We're in a world of superheroes. And it's focusing on this boy who's the son of a superhero. Um, he, he's, he's the son of one superhero and his mother's not a superhero. And he's expected to get powers. And in the first episode, he gets powers. And you see him start to develop and go in to become a superhero. Um, and it's great. I really, really enjoyed it. It is. It, it's on there. I'm on episode three. I will carry on watching it. If it gets, if it gets, if it goes terrible, I'll tell you next time I speak to you. If not, if it carries on going to where I think it's going to be really, really good, I'll let you know as well. My apologies, Mark Wahlberg isn't in t- in in that one. He's in a different Invincible, which I uh, mixed up with that one. So ah, fair enough. No, no, this is an animated on Amazon Prime. Anyway. Uh, we've been ra- we've been we've been rabbiting on for way too long. People have other things that they need to be doing, and they need to go off and do random stuff. Uh, I want to just thank everybody for tuning in and listening to us on uh, Resonance one hundred four point four FM. I want to thank Resonance one hundred four point four FM for letting us rabbit on about uh, the things that we like to talk about. Um, I am, have been Marcus E. Ako. I'm still David Campbell. Saying thank you very much for listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance one hundred four point four FM. Tune in. We'll speak to you again next week. Bye. Bye. We still we we still have not locked down. Yeah, man, I have to